Welcome to Comedians Talking Baseball, our weekly MLB recap where myself and comedian Mike Bryanstein sit back, uh, you know, shoot the shit with you, nerd on some baseball stats, have some fun. Right, Bryanstein? We have some fun. We have, you know, we do this because it's fun. Yes. Make baseball fun again. Famous yes. hat Bryce Harper wore recently. But anyway, though, like, let me also tell everyone this. You can follow us on Twitter. That's at Comedy Sports Pod. You can just search Comedians Talking Baseball with Kilgallen and Brido. Also, we're on Facebook, and I just started getting the Instagram going again yeah. because you. I'm gonna I'm gonna kiss your little butt to start this podcast, <laughs> Mike Bridenstine. You started doing this fun thing that I know you took from someone else or wasn't were inspired by someone else, I should say. Yeah, great artists are inspired by other great artists, in which you do self portraits of people using nothing but emojis. Well, I only did one self portrait because uh, you can only uh, do a self portrait of yourself. Okay, well, you know what. You're an asshole, okay? Because you know what I meant. <laughs> and uh, I'm trying to be a nice guy here. Yeah. All right, well, I'm sorry. You're using people's headshots, I should say, then. I don't know. There's an artist named Young Jake. I saw him do a portrait of uh, comedian Eric Andre in emojis. And I saw that he has an app where people can do the same thing. So I started using the app. And I'm okay at it. So people uh, reacted either very positively or very negatively, saying that I was copying him. Uh, by the way, the artist knows I'm doing it and told me that I was, quote-unquote, fire. <laughs> that means lit, right? That's what the kids do? They do the I fire mean, emoji? It means that he thinks I'm pretty cool. Well, the guy created the app because he wanted other people to do he it. He has a show on Viceland that I watched where he teaches people how to use it. So if he put out a public app and he teaches people how to use it and you're trying to be like his biggest fan mad at people for using it while he's fucking reposting my shit, I, I put hashtag emoji ink. I said where I got it. I'm just kind of okay at it. And so people have opinions. But I'll tell you what. I mean, I have fun doing it. I don't know if I'm going to stop doing it. So you shouldn't. Um, uh, a great voice, maybe one of the greatest voices of our generation, uh, had once said, uh, the haters are going to hate. So <laughs> the players are going to play, and I think you should just shake, shake, shake it off. You know what I mean? <laughs> I believe her name is Taylor Swift. So don't don't let that get you down. Who, I think you, you credited the artist. Who, who sings that? Uh, Taylor Swift, I believe. Oh, yeah. The Taylor player's going to play, play, play. And haters gonna hate, hate, hate. I'm just gonna shake, shake, shake. I'm not. I can't sing at all. I'm not even trying to. In case someone's like, "Dude, wow, really bad." I know it's really bad. Even if I was trying to be really bad, but I was I'm not singing sure just then. You have a beautiful voice. I'm sure you can sing. He will raise you up on eagle's wings with the best of. And he will raise you up. No, I can't even do that. See, <clears throat> no. All right, man. We had a we had a fun week in baseball. An exciting week. I want to start off with this though because I like to get into a topic that. It's kind of it's it's big. It's all the rage now in the stackheads era that we're in. You sent a link to our little baseball text thread that we got. Yeah, uh, Chris Bryant's dad. Oh well, I should. I'll I'll get to what happened to Chris Bryant, and and hopefully he's okay. And it sounds like he's going to be okay. But Chris Bryant's dad, Mike Bryant, is a baseball coach. Has been for a long time. I think he played in the minors even. And, in the Red uh, Sox organization. That's correct. He st he like changed the T. You know the the standard flat T ball T. Not like flat, but you know, it, it comes out. 
he's changed the T so it has like a launch angle. Yeah. So it's teaching kids how to swing with launch angle, which is all everyone's been talking about these days with, you know, stack casting. How many degrees was it? When you played baseball, how were you taught to hit? Level swing. They always taught little kids level swing. And I kind of changed my swing because I was, I was like you, I was obsessed with baseball. And I remember reading a Ted Williams documentary where Ted Williams talked about how you really shouldn't have a level swing. You should have at least somewhat of an uppercut, a slight uppercut. You don't want too drastic because you'll pop the ball up, he says. But you should have some uppercut on your path through the strike yeah. zone. So as you're making contact, your bat is coming up a little bit. And you know you want to still barrel up the ball um, because you're going for like gap line drives more than fly balls. Like you know you you want to split the gap, but have it be like you know one of the, I like the home runs that rise. They're like still rising as they go over into you know instead of the high towering ones that look pretty, but then they come down like six rows deep. <laughs> I like the ones that are like, get the hell out of the way. You don't try to catch that home run. It's going to break your yeah. shit, you know? See, like I was taught basically to chop wood. Yes, me too. Like pretend like you have an ax and you're going down and hitting the, you know, the middle of the yeah, street. Yeah, and that creates a yes. line drive. You're trying to hit the back of the cage while you're hitting. Now they teach you to try to hit the top of the cage. And it makes, so what you want to do, if you're trying to picture this, is a fastball starts uh, at about six feet high and ends up about two feet high. So it's going down, and what you want to do is mirror your swing so with the path of the ball. So you're going up while the ball is going down. And that has uh, changed for a lot of reasons, but uh, predominantly because uh, pitchers throw much harder than they used to, and because of shifts. So they figured out that uh, ground balls only become a hit like 30-something percent of the time. Fly balls are a hit like 70% of the time. That, that high, really? Wow. And so there's a great article uh, in Sports Illustrated kind of about this that uh, talks about how much hitting has changed in the past two years. And I was just texting with uh, Donkey and my friend Travis about this. My friend Travis hit like 600 his senior year in uh, baseball. He was like all state in Iowa. And he coaches hitting. And he said that he's completely changed what he's coached in the past two years. Damn. Well, you know, good for him for being a coach that evolves. It's one of those things where I'm wondering, where's the counter? We have so many power pitchers now, and strikeouts are obviously, what is it, like seven years in a row where the league-wide strikeout uh, number gets broken? Right. I feel like because every year we hear this like... This type of swing, also because they don't teach you to put like to choke up and get some contact because that's an out. <clears throat> also, and we've talked about this, batting average was the hot shit when we were kids, right? That's how you knew you were a good hitter. And yes. that switched to on-base percentage. And then uh, more emphasis got put on slugging percentage because a single is not doing any damage. That's a guy on first. Yes, it's not an out, but you'd rather have a double, a triple, or a home run than a single any day of the fucking week. So hitting, against, hitting opposite field against a shift is just a single Whereas putting it in play, pulling the ball is still 70% going to 
going to drop somewhere and have more chance of on base percentage. So you're willing to risk the K to take the slugging, if that makes sense. It does make sense. And I've always was under the, maybe because I did strike out a lot when I was a kid. I wasn't terrible. I mean, I had a couple of years where I was like, whoa. And then I got it under control. But I remember getting annoyed because you know how little kids are. You know, you ever hear the, like some nine or 10 year old when you first started playing, like, you know, when you're off the tee and they, you know, first started pitching to each other and stuff like that. Or they're like, oh, I got a hit. I'm like, no, you grounded out to the pitcher. <laughs> yeah, you made contact, but you did not get a hit. And it's like, I struck out, but it's the same thing as what you just did. Because <laughs> outs are outs. I, I learned that one pretty early on. Well, actually, that outs are outs. And sometimes you'd rather strike out than ground into a double play. I was afraid, and, I was afraid of striking out more than anything. Well, because it's embarrassing because it's a one-on-one sport in that regard. Yeah, you, got, you, know? you got fooled. You, like, the shittiest players strike out. Yes. Like if I and play right field. Right now, with zero practice against Max Scherzer, I would strike out. Oh, I would take him deep. Well, Scherzer? <laughs> oh, my God. I would sit on that first ball fastball and rock him. <laughs> That's a promise, son. No, I'm kidding. I would strike me out, too. He's Max Scherzer. He strikes out the best hitters on the planet. By the way, it's one of those things same, where it's curious, though. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Same friend uh, played uh, spring training. He played in the minor league system for the Cubs, my friend who I was just talking about. And maybe the best natural hitter that I saw growing up. Like, you know how I was in Iowa, of course. It was a small, you know, pool of players. And, you know, say what you will about, like, them being mostly white players or anything like that. I don't know. But he was the best hitter that I I mean, hitting 600 your senior year is pretty good. So he played minor. That's amazing, yeah. But he did face Kerry Wood in the spring training sessions and said that it was the most ridiculous stuff he'd ever seen and he was completely untouchable. I came across going down a YouTube, you know, wormhole of just going, you know, video, this video links to that video, and then before you know you're watching videos you even plan on watching, as we all do on YouTube, of Kerry Wood's uh it wasn't just a 20 strikeout. It was a bunch of highlights of Kerry Wood. And I'll see people talking. I, I see people sharing gifts of someone's nasty slider or this. His stuff is still the best I've ever seen. Yeah. Kerry Wood, 98, before he really, even up to 03, when he led the league in strikeouts and the Cubs went deep in the playoffs in the Bartman year, before the injuries really took their toll, that like slurve type pitch he threw that he was throwing in the 20K game was just unbelievable. As far as movement from one side of the plate to the other, and the way it dropped, that's why you're, you know, the human arm wasn't meant to do that. So that's why he had to get Tommy John yeah. surgery and then his shoulder went to shit. You just can't whip your arm like that and expect it to last forever. No, you throw so, overhand at all, anything, and expect it to last forever. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, throwing a baseball is such an unnatural motion. And it always cracked me up about women's softball because women's softball, when you think about it, is, is sexist. Because it's it's basically baseball, but they go, oh, they're girls. Have them throw it underhand. And what it turns out is that's the correct way we should all be throwing because it's better for your yeah, arm. Yeah. And, and it's embarrassing because they have these women like 45 feet away. Every, every woman's softball game is like one to nothing or two to one because it's impossible to hit that shit. Yeah. The ball's coming from a lower angle rising at you, and it's insane. Yeah, it's, it's so stupid. Uh, I really think they should just let them play baseball. When I first saw Jessman do. The pro woman point, by the way. When I first saw Jess Mendoza on ESPN, like doing baseball tonight, she's great, by the way. I had no idea who she was, so I was kind of like, I was sexist as shit 
And I was like, I just don't like it when they have people out there who haven't played the sport and could. I had no idea that she was like this all-world softball player. And I just want to say, I was wrong. She's the best. Takes a big man to admit that. So I like the idea, though, of the game constantly evolving, right? You know, with the dead ball era, the Babe Ruth came around where he, he had the first launch angle swing. I think we're going to be talking about Babe Ruth every podcast because he's that special. <laughs> and, he, dude, it still baffles me. Every now and then, like... I can't. I can't wrap my head around some of these well, stats because the that, more, as we've talked the about. The more you know about stats, baseball is a statistically driven sport, and I think that that's part of the reason that I love it. Yes, each each at bats a hand of blackjack, as we saw in the movie Moneyball. <laughs> I mean, so once you understand the stat, understand the stats, and more. I mean, shit. I didn't want to say advanced stats come out. You can appreciate somebody even more. And when you see what he did, just saying 60 home runs <clears throat> was all we could say for the longest time. And that is impressive as shit. But that's been broken by Roger Maris. So it was kind of like, well, Roger Maris and then Hank Aaron. And you're like, well, Hank Aaron. And then, you know, of course, Barry Bonds and Sosa and McGuire. But to look at his war, to look at his slugging percentage, to look at like his weighted on base, that's when you're truly like, I, now that I understand what truly wins games, he was even more bananas than we already thought. Yes. That's what I try to tell like, you know, people in, my, in our dad's generation where it's like, look, these aren't hurting your heroes. I can, I can think of, maybe that'll be a challenge. We should challenge ourselves to find a player this will be our homework for the week coming up for our next podcast. Look at us teasing a podcast a week from now for our okay. listeners. And, and listeners, hey, tell your friends about it. This is a good podcast. So I want to find a player that everyone, when they think of, goes, oh, yeah, that guy was great. And see if uh, advanced sabermetrics brings that player down a peg or two. Because I find most of the time well, sabermetrics takes players that are already awesome and well, helps them. One know? that is most hurtful is that. I know you're going to say, yes. you know, I've gone back and forth with this with a couple people. What kills Dawson is his on base percentage, percentage. I feel like bad. Yes. But if you look at the eighties as a decade, it wasn't a very, very good decade for on base percentage. It was kind of a first ball, fastball yeah. hitter decade. The power hitters were not like overall good hitters and the guys with batting averages were like not home run hitters. It's like strange how like a Pujols or a Bonds or like a Trout, guys who hit for power and have like the accolades for hitting, like there was a complete of, you know, get like huge gap between them. Yeah. Like Wade Boggs, George Brett was the closest you had. Tony Gwynn. Oh, Gwen wasn't a power hitter. I know what you mean. Those two were your powers. But it seemed like a more, more of the guys who were like up top for batting average, like a Gwen, had no power. And then you had players like Daryl Strawberry, Eric Davis, yeah. Kevin Mitchell, who were like dudes who just would hit 40, 45 home runs, yeah, Eric, but hit you yeah. 260 with a 320 on base percentage. Reggie you know? Jackson and Rod Carew were vastly different hitters. You know what I'm saying? Like, Yeah. I think with Dawson, though, even though the sabermetrics does show, because his career OPS is only like 815, 805, 810. It's not very high. But the, what, the surgeries, he had, what do you have, like 10 knee surgeries on each knee or something? Yeah, Montreal and fucked he, his knees. You know, 
it fucked his knees up. And he was a healthy season, or maybe a year and a half of healthy. Maybe maybe two seasons, a season and a half of being legitly healthy in his prime, and he would have been five hundred, three thousand, because he finished with twenty, almost twenty eight hundred hits, oh. almost a little under yeah, that, yeah. and four hundred thirty eight home runs. A good healthy two years there. And he's about 500, 3,000, which only two other players could say. Plus the defense, plus stealing bases at a time when you did not, you know, he's five tool. He's one of the few five tool that players. Arm. And the arm, he had, a, he had a rocket for an arm. People, did dare, didn't, people didn't dare run on him. Um, you talk to pitchers around the league, they respected him. I brought up, uh, you know, the documentary Fastball a couple times because I didn't watch the whole thing the first time. <laughs> But you know that Nolan Ryan would famously, when someone did get a homer off of Nolan Ryan, he would kind of famously like look, stare him down as they went around the bases. He would go off the mound and kind of look at him hard. And if, the story is when Andre Dawson hit one off of him, he stood on the mound and kind of tipped his hat because he respected Dawson that much. And in an interview, he said, I respect what that guy does just to show up and play because I know he's got bad knees and that guy plays with a lot of heart and he does the game the right way. So when he takes me deep, I, I just tip my hat to a player like yeah. that. It's a true story about Dawson and uh, Nolan Ryan respecting Andre Dawson's game. Dawson was one of only eight guys to hit a home run into the upper deck of the Astrodome. And when he hit it up there, he hit it so hard it cracked a chair. Next day, they replaced the chair, painted a hawk on that Do chair. you know what Andre Dawson's middle name is? Nolan, yeah. right? <laughs> of course, man. I love him. I mean, you that's, that's, I think... I feel like even if we weren't comedians, we would have found each other from our love of Andre Dawson. <laughs> my friend... Uh, my friend- <laughs> Ben, uh, growing up, he he and I uh, bonded over how much we liked Andre Dawson. Friend. Yeah, man, there's something about that dude. So you're right, the sabermetrics. That's a good example. Let's find other people though, because I still think you know, for the most part, sabermetrics. When you dig deeper, you you find players that were already considered good, and it makes them even more amazing. And rarely does it take a guy that everyone kind of views as amazing and brings him down. That's the worry that people have. Like I wrote a, I wrote an article for scoreboard sports and uh, people commented like, Oh man, I'm so worried. Like is Greg Maddox not as good as I think he was? Would he not have won like all those Cy Young's? And it's just like, no, he was absolutely as good as you think. Uh, Or he would have won those Cy Young's, you know, like you I think people worry that something that something's going to get taken away from them with these stats. Yes. It's a part of their childhood. And, and, you know, people don't want, people don't like change at our core. We don't know like because change. you understand something, you understand the way it works. You don't want somebody to come in and say like, it's wrong. So then everybody becomes, you know, a right wing, a Republican. <laughs> <laughs> uh, wouldn't it be funny, though? I'm not funny, but here's where I'm looking for. I, I'm, I was trying to allude to this. Since launch angles become the big thing from that side, spin rate is becoming big for pitchers. But what I'm not seeing, you know, seeing how much a pitch breaks and stuff like that, which is real fascinating and cool. What I want to see more of, those, where are the sinker ballers? You'd think sinker ballers would be making a huge comeback over power pitchers, or at least teaching the, these power pitchers the power sinker to get these ground balls, because if these guys are having these uppercut swings, why not have those dive bomb, bring the fork ball back. I haven't seen a good fork well, ball in a long time. Gonna, I, I was just going to say that, you know, who has a nasty fork ball is Otani. And he looks good. Well, you know, who else is a great pitcher? Who's one of the best pitchers in the league. Who's got a great ball that dives downwards. It's a two seamer, but it almost really acts more like a splitter. I think it's a splitter as uh, Corey Kluber. Sure. Like I'm trying to think of the most successful pitchers right now. I mean, obviously you got your guys like Strasburg and Scherzer and Thor, 
who will just overpower you. Well, okay, so Mariano Rivera made the cutter popular, so then that became like a thing. And pitches yes. went out of uh, vogue, you know, like you don't, just like you never see a screwball anymore, you know? <laughs> yeah, that'll tear your arm uh, apart. In Japan, the splitter is the shit. And the more Japanese players that, like, you're going to see coming into the majors, the, like, right now, the splitter is their, like, cutter. It's well, the splitter kind of would corkscrew. I'm thinking about a lot of famous Japanese hitters and the way they swing. They kind of almost do their, like, get a little bit of a running start. They get a movement going. And that's why when they swing and miss at splitters or balls that die down in the dirt, like a good changeup even, they kind of, you know, spin themselves into a corkscrew. See, I don't know enough Japanese uh, hitters to know, like... I'm just, I'm going off a very small sample size, of course, but seeing that style of, and this isn't a knock-on, that's just, there's, you know, every every culture of baseball is their style of play. Like, if you, you know, it's, it's one of those things where I was talking about with someone, I'm like, oh, you grew up, you know the game, ba- I call it bags. Yes. Some people call it cornholing yes. or cornhole. Yeah. I could tell by what part of the country you grew up in, whether what you call that game. Like nobody in Chicago I knew called it cornhole. No, I've gotten. Like if you grew made, up in Chicago, you didn't call it that. You I've it gotten bags. made fun of in LA for calling it bags. Yeah, because people in LA call it cornholing mostly, right? Yeah, we also. Yep. Of course, there's another name also, for it too. I also had to stop saying pop because nobody knew what I was talking about. <laughs> that I refuse. I, have I told you my theory about pop? What's that? I probably have told this on the podcast before. Yeah, we talked about this. Everyone goes by last names. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my theory is that pop is Soda's last name. And in so Chicago it's... and in the Midwest, you call each other by your last name. So Soda Pop. Pop is the last name. You call it Pop. That's not a bad theory. It's, just, it's a stupid little theory, but I just know that growing up in high school, I, didn't, I, I think I even joked about this on the podcast before, so I'll make it quick if I'm repeating myself. I never called my friends by their first name. I would call at my one buddy Duffy's house. I remember the first time I called there, like freshman year of high school. I remember saying, hey, is Duffy there? And his dad's like, well, you want to narrow it down? There's like five of us that live here. And I was like, um, I couldn't think of his first name. I was like, the one that's a freshman? And he's like, I'll be right back. Like, he was laughing about it because I didn't know his, the person's first name I was calling. That's just a, everyone in Chicago I knew. We just went by last name. So that's why I'm going with, uh, we call it Pop because it's Soda's last no. name. It's Soda. Soda William Pop is the full name. Hey, buddy. We're for Soda Pop. Here in California, we're on a first name basis with Mr. Pop. Yeah, we're in California, dude. We keep it chill like that. All right, let's switch to some of the crazy stuff that happened this week. Um, we, we talked about him last week. So I'm wondering if I should I save Javier Bias for the end or should we get into some Javier Bias hey, man. right now? If Javier Baez was good enough to be called the most exciting player in the National League last week, and he had an even better week this week, I think we can talk about him. He is on fire right now. Uh, going off his NL ranks, I believe he is second in OPS. He's first in RBI in all of baseball. I know we're not a big RBI proponents here, but it still does mean something it, when it you're driving. You know, something. You did do something. Yes, those those runs still count, and it's great. It's just one of those stats where it's not a. It doesn't tell the whole picture. People want to hate on right? the RBI because it is the least indicative of your actual accomplishment of anything that you did. It doesn't mean nothing. It's just the go to, just like wins. If you won twenty games, you're probably a good pitcher. Yes. Yeah, if we're not shitting on that RBI, stat. You are probably a good hitter. 
yes, it's part of the story. It's part of the story of you as a player. But if a guy drives in 121 year, and then the next year only drives in 85, it does. It doesn't necessarily mean he had a better year when he drove in 120. Right. The next year when he drove in 85, he might have come up with less opportunities to drive in the runs. You know that sort of thing. So because you know, it matters uh, who hits in front of I you. I used to laugh like when. I had a roommate who would be mad if Soriano hit a solo home run. Oh, let me guess, a solo home run? Like, what do you want him to do? <laughs> Take it back? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a stupid thing to get into. So, so, but it is part of it. So, Baez is leading in RBIs. Um, yeah, his OPS is like, oh, I can't remember the exact number. I think before today. And it might have gone, I don't know, he was two for six today. We're recording this Sunday night, so you're probably listening to this Monday morning. We're going to be recording Sunday, but most of the podcasts will probably come out late Sunday or Monday morning to the listeners who are wondering, hey, you, were, you, you came out late last week. I told you about the glitch. Week before we were out on Sunday, the week before that we were out on a Monday. You know, it's, it's April baseball still. There's weather to consider, and things get in the way. Uh, we get rain delays too, damn it. So, Baez right now, before today, which he had a home run and a double today. So, that helps your, your slugging percentage um, and your OPS big time right there. Yeah. Going two for yeah. six. So his slash line before today, I got to reiterate that, is um, he was 288, 365, 712 slugging. I think he was first or second in slugging. I mean, if wow. you go to ESPN, I'm sure it's all the way updated. Yeah, right now I'm looking at Fangrass. And Fangrass does a bad Fangrass, job of updating. Like, what like, is it? They update it like three in the morning or something? Yeah. See, I should go to ESPN right now, but I had Fangrass already open. Fangrass has him third, number one in the National League, though. But third behind Mookie Betts and, and Diddy Gregorius. He's having a nice season, Diddy. Yeah, huh? his, he's started hot, and which is uh, pretty scary considering uh, that, you know, Stanton hasn't really gotten going. And so there's, there's another guy on their list of like potential like mashers. Well, yeah, I mean, because he's, it's funny because Baez similarly to Diddy. Is kind of like what the fourth or even no, I would say Baez might be the fifth or sixth player offensively when you think of the Cubs. When you think, think of the of Cubs, Bryant, you think Bryant, Rizzo, Contreras, Schwarber, even Russell Baez. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, Baez had a much better year than Russell last year, but I think ceiling wise, people would still probably think Russell first offensively, you well, know. He was- and and Diddy's the same way in New York. You don't think of him when you think Yankees behind Judge Stanton and Sanchez and you know whoever else. Yeah, <clears throat> it's it's only April. I mean, yeah, it is. You're right. We, we we're getting a little excited, but of, I think with bias and Diddy to an extent. I know ahead, that sorry. I keep saying this, but in terms of a 162 game season, 18 games would make it the end of the first inning. So yes. we're in the. First, Which is a cool way to look the at it. First inning of the season, and so if you go up one to nothing, the game isn't over. So if Didi Gregorius is going to have an amazing first half, I will, you know, hit my hat to him and say, "Hey, man, that's a hell of a first half that you had." You got to remember that, like nobody's even nobody's really going to remember this. You know, remember the start Trevor Story had two years ago. Oh yeah, it was he had like eight home runs in the first fourteen games or something. Or how about this player for the Padres that the Cubs used to have, Villanueva. Christian Villanueva? He was third on our depth chart in our minors, or third on like the potential. You know, it was Chris Bryant, and then behind him was uh, J- God, what's his name, Jameer Candelaria, who's on the Tigers now. I think I just butchered that name. 
And then um, Christian Villanueva, as far as like third base prospects coming through our system, yeah. like a couple of years ago. Well, you know, and he is off to a six. He's got seven home runs. He's got as many home runs as buys. Seven home runs the a second Padres also in have the National an League. Insane uh, minor league system. So here's the they might have developed him better than we did, but who knows? He, I mean, he, you're not going to get rid of Bryant. Look, some of these prospects, I, I'm okay with some of these prospects. Like Daniel Daniel Vogelbach, I think was having a decent start with Seattle. Uh, this season as the DH, the Cubs had he's him. He's an absolute bomb, I saw, and I was like, oh, man. He's got a ton of power, but he's a DH. Well, there's no DH, and if the DH ever did come to the National League, which we both, I feel like, want at this point, uh, Kyle Schwarber is that he's that guy. Yeah. So I'm okay with this. Like, th- this only this tells me that Lloyd McClendon, or, or I'm sorry, Lloyd McClendon, what the hell am I talking about? Jason McLeod. Why did I say Lloyd McClendon? I don't know. The, the old Pirates manager? Anyway, Jason McLeod is such an amazing director of scouting, and Theo and Jed and that whole brain trust the Cubs have going on are so damn impressive, where our cast-offs, and some of these, I mean, I don't even call them cast-offs, because these were players that, look, we have depth, so we're gonna we're willing to sacrifice these guys. Some of them might be all-stars. Eloy Jimenez looks like he could be an MVP for the White Sox down the line. Yep. Who knows? Did we have Liber Torres? Yes, we did. We traded in for Chapman. Here's the thing, and I want to talk about this just for a second. The Cubs tanked for a few years, won the World Series. The Astros tanked for a few seasons, won the World Series by getting amazing draft picks and like this amazing young system with also uh, developing a few arms, like buying a few, like buying like a Justin Verlander or like an. And the Astros messed up a draft. Let's not forget that they screwed up a draft. Right, that, they were the laughing stock of baseball at that point. But now everybody's fucking doing it. Like we've talked about this before. Nobody wants to win eighty-three games anymore, and so that is kind of ruining shit. Like for a lot of cities, so people just check out. Yeah, I, I, it's worrying me a little bit. You see it in basketball a lot where, where you just tank a season to get a good draft pick. I mean, in the NBA, it makes a little bit more sense because a good draft pick immediately changes you. Football does it too because the, their draft picks come up and play right away. Or in baseball, Chris Bryant came up very quickly. Kyle Schwarber didn't even do a full season in the minors. So some of these guys do come up very fast. But it's still not compared to the NBA and the NFL where you take a guy and you expect him. You know, the Bears are – the NFL is happening. The NFL draft is what, this week, I think? Yeah. Enough? Whoever the Bears draft, they expect to start in September. And, you know, late August. September, right, you're whatever. filling automatic needs. Yes. Where in baseball, you, you could take the number one pick in the country or, or in the league and, and maybe in two years if he's really good. If it's a high school player, four years. Yeah. So it's not as immediate. And I think, look, eight, winning 83, here's what bothers me. You don't want to win 83 games and miss the playoffs. But if you're projected, if you're a team where my hope, 2015, remember the 2015 Cubs? And look, if you're listening and you're like, I'm not a fan of the Cubs, but damn, they talk about the Cubs a lot. It's just the best example because it's recent history. And we're Cubs fans, so deal with it. The 2015 Cubs won 97 games, but nobody thought they'd be that good going into the year. I remember telling friends, no in 2015, I said, I think the Cubs will compete for a wild card spot this year, which they did. They actually got the second wild card. I thought they would compete by getting 80, by, by being in the hunt at the all-star break. And I thought Theo would pull off a nice trade to get us that second wild card. That's what I thought. I thought we'd get the second wild card winning 86 games. We won 97 with the third best record in all of baseball. 
And then I thought the next year was when we'd be primed for a World Series. Right. So the things were quicker because we won 97 when I thought we'd win like 85. 85 could still get you in that hunt for the second wild card. I, so that's why it does bother me that some of these teams are like, well, screw winning 85 games. I thought 88 wins because I remember the year before the Royals. I might have been the around there. Royals and Giants were in the World Series. And they won 88 and 89 games, like both of them did. And I was like, dude, all you got to do is win 88 games. And I was like, that's... Yeah, 88 seems to be roughly the number. I mean, I'm sure you could get in with 85, depending on your division. But, you know, if you want to play in that... It, yeah, it depends if your division has an off year. I mean, the Cardinals, that one year they won the World Series, I think only won like 82 games or 83 games. or something embarrassingly low that year, you yeah. know? But Javi is uh, easily going to be player of the week. I think he got 500 or five, a little over 500 for the week. Hit three home runs because I think he's got seven on the year. Uh, but he, he, he brings so much to the table. He wreaks havoc on the base pass because he makes some bold moves, but they usually pay off because, as we all know, fortune favors the bold. <laughs> um, he's a wizard with the glove. I mean, every now and then we'll, we'll kick a ball, but he gives you so much more with his range. And, you know, he's, he's brought an art to tagging. I never heard anyone in my entire life, talk about someone being a skilled tagger until Javier Baez started pulling off the tags he was pulling off. That's how insanely fun this guy is as a player. Yeah. And what's really been exciting, and I know, like you're saying, we're, we're just through the first inning of this baseball season. But Baez was a top prospect. He was a ninth pick of a draft. He was a guy that people were like, this guy, if he could ever just calm down his swing a little bit and, and control himself just a little bit, like, you know, Javi be Javi, we're seeing this potential being reached and, and maybe it's just a hot month and maybe he'll go back to being more of a, you know, a, an 800 OPS guy instead of a thousand, you know, cause right now he's up there with the elites, you know, I mean, and, he, um, I told you guys back in spring training or earlier in the year that if Javi could just lay off that slider in the dirt, he'll be a seven more player from his defense alone. Cause his defense alone will get you three and a half wins. I felt like, and I, and adding that kind of offense, if he lays off that pitch, cause that pitch is his kryptonite. And, and he's been laying off that pitch. It's been really impressive watching him kind of spit at that outside pitch. No, I would love to see him develop into Gary Sheffield with 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 a yeah, class. yeah. Because Gary Sheffield was not a defensive I mean, he, player. He I mean, maybe well, he played third base when he first came up, right? Yeah, and he he's played uh, outfield, and you know he DH'd. Gary Sheffield had a better career than people let on. I bet. I bet Sabermetrics makes him more impressive. Well, man, Gary Sheffield hit 500 home runs. The thing is, Gary Sheffield did PEDs, so he's just fucked. Yeah, yeah, he got caught and admitted it, too. At least he admitted it, Gary right? Gary Sheffield would be a Hall of Famer. You're right, Gary Sheffield, 509 home runs. He should be a Hall of Famer. Look at that. 509 home runs. Let's see here. I do hate that war is a cumulative stat instead of getting like an average. Like, I want to know what was his war per average. Go to his war seven. Go to his jaws on baseball reference and you can see where he's at. Well, you know, I'm bouncing off the website to website here and I'm not going to do that. Okay. So just stop it. <laughs> <laughs> no, look at his, uh, his career Woba um, was 391. That's very high. His career um, uh, OPS plus is 141. That's awesome. Um, yeah, no, he had some beast seasons, man. This guy had some big years. There's 96 Marlins stats. Damn, 42 home runs. Uh, 465 on base percentage that year. Yeah, 624 slugging. He, his his uh, uh, 
WRC, which is, is OPS plus, was one eighty five and ninety six. Good God, damn! How do you not win MVP that year? I think I think Ken Caminetti or Barry Larkin won in ninety six. Larkin was a great player too. I don't know. So if Sheffield that, I can't compare them. I don't now. know if Sheffield would have won the MVP. What year? Ninety six. Yes, I got to look into that. But uh... well, even with all that, his WAR was a six five, which is is a, is a lead, but it's not. You know, MVPs usually are a little higher than right. that. So, all right, well, let's, let's, you know, we, we could keep kissing Javi's ass until the sun doesn't, until, you know, the cows come home or whatever stupid expression I was reaching for there and failed miserably Until the at. sun comes home. Until the sun kisses the cows in the shed. Behind Six the shed. You know what I'm talking about? Getting fine behind that shed. I got a pocket full of rubbers, baby. You know what's weird? In that Snoop Dogg song, he says, I've got a pocket full of rubbers and my homeboy's douche, too. That's weird, man. He says douche, too? He he says his buddy has a bunch of condoms for him, and his buddy had like a douche. A pocket like clean, full of you know. rubbers and my homeboy's douche too. Yeah, like I got I got my homeboy's douche too. Like my homeboy carries a douche around with him to make sure you know everything's uh, nice and tidy. That's it's a little strange. I'm glad right? you looked into that and made sure that that was correct. I think that's correct. <laughs> I'm like eighty five percent sure. Rubbers and I have my homeboy's douche too. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you know, and someone could look up and tell me I'm wrong on that one. Um, yeah, no, Javi's had a sick year, and he did another thing today that he got into a DJ LeMahieu on the base pass because he was shadowing in front of him, blocking his view of like the you know where the batter was going to hit it. Do you see that? You watched the Cubs game? Today? I didn't because I was running errands. Although I got what a good a husband. million text messages about what we're probably going to talk about later. And I will say, fuck DJ LeMayhew and his wind-aided stats. You suck. Yeah, he's a bit overrated. He's very bit overrated. When you take him, because I remember looking at his numbers last year, he at home had like a 950 on base plus slugging, and then like on the road was like a 775, which is the average. Fuck Nolan Arenado, too. They all do. I you know, Nolan Arenado hit a two-run homer off of Kyle Hendricks on Friday that in any other ballpark was like not even at the warning track. You could tell by the way it came off the bat that that thin air just carried it into the seats. I hate it when people are like, Nolan Arenado, best third baseman in baseball. I hate that He's all not. the time. And I'm like, based on what? He's great defensively. I'll give him that. Right? He's a, he's a, he's, he's a, he handles the glove at the hot corner. But no, Chris Bryant is no, still I'm, the best third I'm baseman. just disappointed. What's that? You're disappointed in me for saying that? Yeah, because he's not the best third baseman. And I don't want to hear any compliments about Nolan Arenado. <laughs> Fine, you won't, you won't, all right. I wanted to be at least a little cool to the guy. He doesn't seem like a, a, a even, too bad of a guy, but it is annoying. I agree with you. He's not even Josh Donaldson. Is he not? Well, Donaldson looks like he needs to be a DH at this point. He can't really move out there as is well. Dead arm or something? Yeah, he's got a bum shoulder, it sounds like. He's got a little bit of Scott Hatterberg. Well sitch going they might have to you know also, move him to first base hardest voice to listen to other than mine i've ever heard josh donaldson's there's no way he's that he has terrible. a raspy like uh alabama I- well i like yeah i mean you know what you ever hear there are some southern dudes who have such a like it's a high voice it's pretty effeminate you know they don't think that, but they're like, "Hi, how are you? How do you? Ooh, it's very hot I'm day so today, isn't it? It's very. Ooh, I'm sweating. Like you know, I kicked Robin Ventura's ass. 
Uh, Nolan Ryan had a little bit of a tougher voice than that. Someone had a funny tweet. I don't know who retweeted it, but it said, here's Nolan Ryan's launch angle, and it was a shot of him uppercutting Robin Williams. You know, a lot of people don't know this, but in every commercial, Nolan Ryan, his voice was overdubbed by an actor because in real life, Nolan Ryan sounds exactly like Cat Williams. Really? No. All right. Good to know. You know, it's a good thing you were more tuned in by his arm than his speech. 95 miles an hour coming at you hard. All right, let's get back to uh, the issues at hand here. So Baez is shadowing him. You didn't see it, so you can't really say it, but they, they were jawing at each other. And then the umpire said something, and Tommy Lestelle, who was playing second base today, had to kind of step into Baez. And then the other umpire talked to him, and Javi's whole point was, I could be wherever I want to be. Because DJ was barking at him, the ump was kind of like, go over there. And I think the ump wasn't thinking. The ump was kind of like, I don't want you to fight and go over there. Where Javi's like, I'm the shortstop. I'm a defensive player. I'll go for the fuck I want to go to. Who the fuck are you, umpire, to tell me I can't play my position right here? I'll play my position right here, and I'll dance back and forth. And that's essentially what he said in the post game. He didn't say it like challenging, like screw DJ. He just said it like, listen, this is something I picked up in the WBC, and I think it's a cool move. And if it distracts the runner, I'm all for it. And if it protects the runner from stealing signs, I'm also going to do it. And Joe Manning had no problem with it. And I have no problem with it. And that's all that matters. Oh, yeah, I don't think an umpire should be able to say. Was he like go? I think the other umpire kind of then realized, okay, this is what he meant. Because one other umpire kind of like put his arm around Javi like they were boys and started walking him into shell left going, all right, just settle down. Let's take a breath. Let's calm down here. I think he kind of meant like, you know, don't jaw at each other. Obviously, you could play your position however you want to play your position. We're not telling you you have to stand in this little area, you yeah. know. I, th- I think, but I think the ump did misspeak at first, which is what got have y'all like fired up by being like, are you kidding me? This guy cries over here because he doesn't like that. I'm blocking his view of the plate. And you're going to tell me that to go stand over there instead. No, that's not how this plays out. So I don't know. I just, I'd like that every time. That's why he's such an exciting player. Every time you watch him, you're like, Oh, this is a new thing he's doing <laughs> defensively. I've never seen someone do that to a runner, especially at that position. Cause you're essentially playing out of position. He was mirroring, mirroring. He was like mirroring. That's the word I was looking for. Hello, English. Uh, the leadoff that DJ was taking. So DJ was, you know, getting a secondary and jumping off the back. And Javi was kind of like looking out of his periphery, staying in front of him, blocking his view of the bat. I like it. And I, I like it too. It's, it's fun. It's different. It's like, all right. Obviously, if someone would hit a ball through where Javi was supposed to be, I would have been like, all right, dickhead, you should have been over where you're supposed to be. But maybe that, maybe that was the shift they were playing. Maybe they said, you know what? For certain hitters, stand over this way and, if, you know, go for it. Why not? Mess with them a little bit. I don't like this idea. Did you see what happened with Justin Verlander and Tim Anderson? The Astros were playing the White Sox Friday night. And Verlander was throwing a no-hitter, I believe, up until the 8th. So it was one of those stupid unwritten rule things. Oh. Here, I'll read it to you real quick. I got the article, so I'll just summarize it. I'll paraphrase the article. On Friday, the Houston uh, pitcher found reason to complain about Chicago White Sox shortstop Tim Anderson, who's also a fun player to watch, although he's been playing like crap lately. Um, Tim Anderson daring to steal on him while the Astros held a 5 nothing lead in the fifth inning. So it was the fifth inning. He broke him down in the fifth inning, which is not even – don't even tell me about a no-hitter until it's at least the sixth. Fifth inning on a 3-0 count. I guess he stole a base on a 3-0 count, and that's one of baseball's countless ridiculous unwritten rules. Um, and then Verlander was hearing it from White Sox fans while hanging out in the dugout. So he's kind of had some fun with them. Actually, they were yelling, you suck. And then Verlander like wrote on a sign, no, you suck. And like held it back to them from the dugout. So that was kind of funny, but I just think it was kind of like, I, I like Verlander enough when I hear him speak, like, he seems like, a, he doesn't seem like too much of like, uh, he doesn't seem too old school about stuff. But in this one, I think he was totally in the wrong. Yeah. 
Um, his whole thing was you're down five nothing and you're stealing third base or you're stealing a base. That's not smart baseball. And and then the and, and Tim Anderson was clapping a lot and being all like you know trying. I think Tim Anderson's a young player who's just trying to excite his team. I'm okay with it. I'm also okay with Verlander saying that's stupid baseball because in, in essence it is kind of stupid baseball to steal a base when you're down five nothing. You need base runners and you're risking that. I don't you know? like unwritten rules. I'm fucking over it. I think that if we're talking about spin rate and launch angle at the same time as talking about, you know, getting rid of the RBI or even getting, not even caring about batting average, that if someone wants, I mean, fuck it, is it an unwritten rule that Houston had fucking four outfielders? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Suck my dick. By the way, Houston is so good. I know we got mad at uh, Dallas Kuschel. Um, or was it Kuschel? How do you say it's his name? Keichel. Keichel. Why did I... here? I'll tell you. I'll tell you and the listeners why Keichel didn't sound right as I said it in my it's head. A bad word. Yes, there was. So we were talking about crazy stuff last night. I was at a comedian party last night. You know, those are the conversation just bounced off of the weirdest topics. Drew Michael um, is a comedian out of New York and was a Chicago comedian for a while. Very funny dude. We both know him. He writes for us. A little it. hard to deal with. Uh, no, I don't think he does anymore, actually. I think he just did one season. Oh, I don't um, anyway, yeah, he wrote for it. That's still a great accomplishment. So, But we, he produced Communes You Should Know with me. We, you know, we were the original like, crew for that at Timothy O'Toole's. And Time Out Chicago wrote a thing about us. And when Time Out Chicago wrote this, um, it's a local magazine in Chicago. I think there's a Time Out New York, Time Out. There's one in almost every major city, if you're wondering what it is, if you're listening across the country or around the world. It's just like some little bullshit magazine. Uh, I mean, they're nice. And they do like profiles of us where they did height, weight, nickname, uh, you know, where you were born and then had like some funny little blurbs underneath each of one of our pictures for the magazine. So it was a cool little piece. We, he, they literally published this. So I still can't believe they published it for his nickname. He wrote, cause his name is Drew Michael. His nickname, he wrote Jew Keichel and they printed it. Uh, dude, I still have a couple copies of that save cause it was, it was good pictures of us. And they, and so when I was about to, and I know his name's Dallas Keuchel. I know this, but as I, because we were just talking about it last night in my brain, right when I was about to say Dallas Keuchel, I'm like, Dallas, who shall, it's not Keuchel, could it be Keuchel? But no, of course it's Keuchel. I just was off my head about, um, and, and Jew, Drew's Jewish, Jew's Jewish. Um, <laughs> so, um, it's not like, you know, it's kind of, it was more, in, you know, just having fun with himself, I suppose. But yeah, it, it was hilarious that a, a magazine would print something like that. And they did. But anyway, Dallas said that, oh, we're not going to have that hangover because we're better than the Cubs. And I took offense to that being like, you know, because they're my Cubs, baby. And on paper, the Astros are better, but not so much where you could be that cocky. But dude, did they put a hurt on the White Sox this weekend? Um, Dylan Brown, you're um, our biggest Sox fan listener. I know Herb Lawrence, you might check out the podcast. Herb, love you, buddy. But as Sox fans, I know you don't want to watch bad baseball, but this is kind of part of it. This is, you guys are still rebuilding. This was not a year for you guys to compete. I, if, I, if I was a fan of the White Sox, I'd be upset with, you know, some of the younger players not progressing really. You know, Yon Mankata looks like he starts to turn a corner and then he has another bad couple games. And then you think maybe he's turned the corner. And then I know he's been hitting better lately at a Grand Slam a few games ago earlier this week. But man, they lost to the Astros, I'm pretty sure 10 nothing, 10 to 1, and then 7 to 1. That's right. So they got outscored like twenty-seven to two in a three-game set at home. That's bad. Yeah. So, but again, though, this is this is the tanking that I'm okay with some teams doing it, but you're hoping some teams like 
you know, like the Marlins. Think about the Marlins if they would have kept Stanton, Yelich, and Osuna, and then just signed a, you know, a pitcher like Alex Cobb, who they might have been able to get cheap because he, he, they, he took forever to sign, or Arrieta, or, you know, just spent a little bit more money. I know the team was in because they just sold, so there were some financial problems there. So maybe they just tanked for financial reasons. I don't know. But they, I, if they would have added like a pitcher or two, they could have competed for a wild card with that team. I want this to fuck over Jeter's legacy so bad. Are you anti-Jeter? anti-Jeter. I think Jeter's a nice guy. I think he was dickish. to Like, he, he didn't handle himself as a professional when he came in. You know, we're going back to Andre Dawson, and we mentioned this. He was making $100,000 a year as, like, a, as a Marlins ambassador. And Jeter takes over, didn't have the guts to talk to him face-to-face. And then also uh, said, we'll retain you, but for twenty five grand, So a 75% pay cut to a Hall of Famer who's done a lot for that organization and is from Miami. That's a dick move. So I kind of did lose some respect for Jeter. On my other podcast, Kilgallen's Pub, I drank with my buddy Tony Valley, and Valley's a big uh, Jeter fan. And we both talked about, you got to give him credit for this, though, Brido. His whole career, people are like, when are you going to get married and settle down? And his response was, I'm a New York Yankee. Why would I settle down? I'm having fun playing the field. You know what I mean? Like, I like that because so many athletes settle down because someone tells them, hey, you know, you're getting older. This will help your net worth if you, you know, are more stable and blah, blah, blah. And they end up marrying someone they don't love. They cheat on them like crazy. And then there's a big divorce. And then everyone's like, you're a scumbag and all this stuff. Where he was just like, no, I'm not going to settle down. Why would I do that? Give anyone I want. Fuck about that. Here's what I. You don't give a fuck about that? You don't respect him no. a little bit for that, being the only athlete that can admit no. that? No. We shouldn't even be talking about Jeter if... You're being a baby right now. It wasn't no. his. It's not his fault no. that other people overrated him. No. We... <laughs> if it was Robin Yount or Craig Biggio or Alan Trammell who played in New York, we never would be talking about Derek Jeter. Fuck Derek Jeter. See? But again, it's not his fault he's overrated. That's other people's doings. Yeah, well... Don't hate the player, hit the game. I've been doing a lot of hating players, hating games references today. Well, I'm not trying to convince Jeter that he sucks. I'm trying to convince his fans that he sucks. Jeter, if you're listening, what's up, man? So do sabermetrics hurt Derek Jeter, is he your example? I think that he's not. Defensively, they definitely do. How many MVPs did Jeter win, Joe? Zero. How many did he deserve to win? Zero. Thanks. Uh, Uh... but he was a top. I don't was know. Was he the what. top shortstop of his own time, Joe, or was he not? You're right. He was not. Alex Rodriguez was a better shortstop when the Yankees got Alex Rodriguez. It was Jeter who should have moved position. Not Alex Rodriguez. Was he hurting his own team by staying at shortstop? Yes. I mean, people think that he's. Oh my God, he's just like amazing. As if the Yankees weren't throwing money at anybody with who. With a fucking, you know, all-star credit to their name over the age of 35. Yeah, they really were making just signing all these stars of yesteryear. And that's that's another thing with the market switching. So while we're on the topic of the market switching, um, Harper and Machado are the two big free agents, along with Donaldson and, and um, Kershaw. Kershaw, of course. But Harper, and they're all off to, I don't know, I haven't checked what Donald's, Donald's got the bump shoulder going on right now, so I don't really think he's off to a hot start. Doc has fallen, but 
Yeah, his stock's falling, but you know it's still early. Like we're saying, if it's if it's early for being hot, it's early for being bad. Because like right now, you Darvish has been terrible. Right. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of Cubs pitchers or a lot of Cubs free agent players. There must be something about Wrigley and, and whatever that makes players pitch. Lester was terrible his first month with the yeah. Cubs. Moises Alou was bad his first month. Soriano was bad his first month. Derek Lee was bad his first month. There's a lot of players that just, I don't know, it's an adjustment to something. I don't know. I, I'm making excuses for him, I guess, because I'm hoping he turns it around as a Cubs fan and as a fan of what you Darvish brings to the table. But he'll cruise for like four or five innings and then have one little thing go wrong and then just implode. And, um, you know, Jose Quintana, who was my pick for Cy Young, who has a 70 RA right now. <laughs> So good pick looks real good. He kind of got a little screwed today, though. I think his FIP will help him to some people because he gave up four earned runs today, but really it was two earned in my mind. That's why because ERA is not the end-all, be-all. It's not the end-all, be-all because Jason Hayward, who's a great defender, lost the ball in the sun badly. It was a weak, routine fly ball. and He was putting his hands up, going, I don't know where the hell it is, and then saw it last minute and fell over and looked really bad in the process. That's looked like Kyle Schwarber. And those are two earned runs because they called it a triple when really that was a fly ball that 99,000 out of 100,000 times he catches that. On fan graphs right now. Um, Yeah, basically. You want me to go to Quintana? That was a start today, though. Excuse me, hold on. (coughs) Joe's allergic to bad outfielding. Man, I don't know what just happened there. I apologize, listeners. I tried to pull my. my mic away before I started choking there. What's a BABIP on you, Darvish, and what's a BABIP on uh, Quintana? All right, you... You know, it's annoying when you type in you, you think that'd be the first fucking name that pops up. <laughs> uh, you, Darvish, is BABIP for 2018, 327. So he's unlucky by 27 points. Yes. Or he could be good. I mean... I, I gotta look at... Because well, we were talking about this the other day, because... Uh, Javier Baez, you know, with all that he's doing, his BAPIP was at like 283, I want to say. And his career BAPIP is like 330. So he's not really getting lucky, but, you know. I should explain this. So, you okay, do. so BAPIP, batting average on balls in play, B-A-B-I-P. So every time you hit the ball, what percentage of the time that it's in play, is it a hit? Or if you're a pitcher and you someone makes contact, what percentage is a hit? For a pitcher, no matter how good they are, no matter if you're Clayton Kershaw or if you are a suck pile, your BABIP is going to be around 300 if the ball's in play. It just is. So you can take a look at, is a guy overperform? Is he, is he doing better than he should be or worse than he should be because of the ball had eyes or a ball got through or a ball got caught in the sun type of thing? 300 for a pitcher. A, a good hitter can have a higher BABIP. I believe Ty Cobb's career BABIP is 370. Damn. It's fucking crazy. So, like, Gwyn, Tony Gwynn, like, as a good hitter, he has a higher BABIP, I'm sure. Hard contact rate is factored into this, right? Wouldn't you have to look into that a little bit to get a better picture of the story? I mean, with all, keep in mind with all these stats, if you're listening and you're, like, if you know a lot about it and you're angry at me, or if you don't know enough, I, I what I'm doing is trying to talk to people who know nothing about it. Just no, that's fine. I like how you're breaking I want this down. People who are afraid of these stats to embrace these stats and understand them. But with all of these stats, uh, you should look at it like a map of the world, right? So if I'm like, this is Europe, 
this is Asia. Just know that the world is round and not flat. So you you have to kind of piece things together with multiple maps to make like an accurate picture. So you actually, Mike, the world is flat. What? Okay, I don't know what they told you <laughs> at your liberal arts college, but the world is you flat. Can't no. Steal bases <laughs> if you're up five in the fifth. Yeah, but uh, well, can I tell you more about you, Darvish? Or no, you had more to say. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, so. Uh, when I'm asking about Darvish and Quintana's Babips, I want to know if they've been unlucky to a certain extent. Okay. A little bit. What's really been killing more looking at, I mean, his FIP is four nine. He's, so God damn, this is bad. Darvish's ERA is 6.86. That's bad. His <laughs> right. FIP is 4.98. So that is what that is telling you. That's fielding independent pitching. That's taking everything that, Darvish can control into the equation uh, and telling you what his ERA should be. Yes. So, so his ERA should be 498, which is still very high. Not, not good. Not but, good. What's killing him right now is his walk rate per nine is over five. Strikeout rate is over nine. So he's, he's getting bats to swing and miss. I mean, he's a little bit higher. He's normally about a, a 10K per nine guy. Anything or anything that meets your innings or above is, is a good rate. Uh, but yeah, he's he got it. He has to get the walk right down, he, and it always seems to be one inning with him where he just loses it. So I still think a turnaround is going to come. But now I'm going to Quintana right now. So you want to hear Quintana's BAFIP? Yes. Not at three nineteen. So he's getting unlucky, but not that crazy unlucky. Right. I think today. So, but his that's twenty it, points. I mean, nineteen points. Yeah, you're right. So that is still something to look at. His ERA. Good lord. Jose Quintana, granted, he's only pitched 14 innings this year, 14.1. And three starts, 14 innings. That's not very good. Uh, does this count today, what I'm looking at from Quintana? Son of a bitch. It's a problem, because Quintana pitched today. So, of course, Fangraphs doesn't update stuff the way it should. Yeah. Give me one second here. Jose Quintana. Type in ESPN. But they don't really have BABIP. I don't think they're that adjusted. You might have to just open up. Like, all right, well, all right, that doesn't matter that much because I wanted to, I knew his ERA had gone down a little. His ERA, this, what I'm reading off of Fangraphs is based before the start today, but his ERA went from 8.16 before today, 8.16 before today's game, and it went down to 7.78. But this will tell you more of the story. Like we said, he has been getting unlucky with the BAPIP. Also, so 8.16 ERA, 4.89 FIP. That's, that's a big discrepancy between your ERA and what your ERA should be. Right. Now, an ERA that's 4.89 obviously is very bad for your first month. But obviously, this early in the season, if he goes seven shot innings, his next start, all of a sudden, he's at 4.10, which then is about league average. Then his next start, he gives up one run over six. Now he's back in the threes, which is good. And, you know, they go from there. John Lester, had a first, his first two starts were bad. And ever since then, he's been looking awesome. So, you know, it, it kind of just and, – and pitching Coor, first Kentucky. That they played in um, against the epic comeback, but he had to pitch in, in those conditions, which for a pitcher when, when you're from Colombia to pitch in 20. Yes, small stand size, freezing cold, and blaze or no out extra often. April, none of the pitchers have gotten in any kind of rhythm at all. Oh, I'm not that you're. I would not that much about the starting pitching. I mean, I mean obviously you don't like what's happening, but I wouldn't be yeah. freaking out that much. 
Yeah, it's still for every team. This is, you know, just kind of like it's the first inning, man. Like I said, the Cubs were below 500 at the All Star break, and they ended up going to the NLCS. All right, I'm not sure where I left off. Everybody, you you saw the audio got cut like an idiot. I didn't charge my phone. We do this over the phone through the Anchor app, which um, like an idiot. You got to charge up your phone, Joseph. What am I doing? You always got. I'm a responsible adult. I'm a dad now. Got a full battery. So I was um, going through. Jose Quintana's stats and, and basically, you know, yeah, the season's early. You'd like to see some turnaround there. Uh, I think that's basically what I that was the gist of what I was saying, right? I can't remember what else I was adding to that. Cause I was so mad at myself when the phone died. I lost my train of thought. You remember? You know, no. All right. This is, this is great. <laughs> this is great podcasting right now. Anyway, though. All right. Well, we, we made our points there. Uh, I was going to say, oh, I was talking about the hitting, the Cubs hitting. The, I feel like the hitting coaches finally got it through to them. You see guys go in the opposite field more. They're kind of working up the middle more instead of pulling everything. And I think the results are shown. Like, you're going to have your ups and downs as a team. The Cubs have been kind of feast or famine where it's like, oh, my God, we scored 12 runs, and then the next day you score zero. I'm seeing a little bit more consistency out of them. I'm liking the approach a lot better. Uh, I'm worried about Addison Russell slightly. Um, just because he hasn't looked good at the plate. And again, it's oh. early, so I should chill out, you know. We were going to talk about next year's free agent class. Oh, we were. Thank you. Okay. Harper and Machado, what are they going to get? Because they're both off the – they're on fire right now. They're both off to amazing starts. Harper's going to get a $400 million. Even with all the contracts going down the way they did last year, you still think Harper is going to break the bank at $400 million? Harper is 13 years old. You're right. He's a child. His best years are ahead of him. And Machado is 14 years old. I think they're roughly the same age. <laughs> I think Machado's 11. Forget I got like, I'm in a Cubs group and I actually should share these links to these guys. It's like this group where everyone just talks about Cubs baseball and two of them. And I just haven't wanted to like pimp myself out by saying, here's a link to my podcast. But I think this week I'm going to, um, they're great dudes, but they, for some reason, I'll just say, this is what I'm having a problem with some new Cubs fans. Maybe we're just not used to being a powerhouse. Cubs fans, we're a powerhouse. Astros fans listening too, you're a powerhouse. You got to start thinking differently. This is what's bothered me. I've got some of these fans saying, Harper, Machado, they're going to cost too much money. I'm like, do you think Yankee and Red Sox fans and Dodger fans think that? No. They think we're the fucking shit. Well, I think the Yankees definitely want Machado. He makes more sense than the Harper because they don't really have an outfield spot open for Harper. Neither do the Red Sox. And neither do the Red Sox. And Red Sox are probably not going to get either of those guys. I don't see them going after either. And they're 18 and 2. I know they got no hit. Hey, shout out to uh, Manaya. Is it Manaya or Manaya? Oakland's pitcher who no hit the Red Sox yesterday. That is so impressive considering what they've been doing. Yeah, what are they, 18 and 2 or 18 and 3 now? Yeah, unbelievable. And they're beating the shit out of teams. It's they not lost, just they lost their first game. They blew their first game while the Yankees like like uh Stanton hit two home runs and people were crying bloody murder. And now, like twenty games later, it's like now they're the greatest team of all time. Yeah, they're off to a insane start. I think one of the top five best starts in baseball history, something like that. So yeah, kudos to Red Sox fans. That's Mike that's Mike Bridenstine picked them to win the East. You did. Did I have them too or no? I might not have. I think I'd have been, I think I gave them a wild card though. You know what you said? You said that they would suck. Michael. <laughs> I don't I don't believe I said that. 
I got family in Boston. I want to go to Fenway. I was actually thinking about doing that for my five year anniversary. Maybe Santa the wife. Let's go for like a day or two. They're playing in town. Or they're playing in Boston over the anniversary. Try to get some tickets. I've always wanted to see that ballpark. And and they, they have some exciting players. I really I like Mookie Betts, like watching that guy. Um Sale. Yeah, Chris Sale. It's nasty. They've got some they've got Bogart. some players. Bogarts, Jack Lee Bradley Jr., you know? Yeah. They got a team. So uh you think of oh, for 400 million for Harper. So I was going to say about that Cubs group, I mentioned these guys. They say, ah, oh, they're both too expensive and all this. And I'm like, you understand we're getting a new TV deal after 2019 season. The Cubs already could print money. They're going to be printing money even more. We're under the luxury tax this year. So even going over it next year is not going to be much of a hit. I just don't understand that. Why would you not want these guys? I'm not talking about signing 30 guys who are in their early 30s. These are guys who are both going into their age 26 season as free agents. Harper's 25 right now, and I think Machado is 25 as well. He's only like a year and a half older than Addison Russell. So when people are like, no, we got Addison Russell, I'm like, look, Addison Russell, he's going into his fourth season. His first three seasons have been good considering his age. You know, he I think um, in 2016, he was like an over-four war player. It was tied with... Um, What's his name from Crawford from San Francisco is the best defensive shortstop in baseball. Plus he added 21 pops and not for nothing, 95 RBI as well. And, um, but he still only hit 240. OPS was still just below league average. And that's been like that for all three of his seasons. He's been a below league average offensive player. And if he finishes this year hitting 240 again, and we could get Manny Machado to play shortstop for us. Why wouldn't you? I don't get that. You have the money. Why wouldn't you want to add a guy who's an MVP candidate to your team. Same yeah, with Harper. It I makes think no that, sense to me. I think that there's some sentimentality with uh, Addy because of the 2016 team. Yeah, he was phenomenal in the World Series one. But then again, listen, it was hard a little bit to get rid of Castro, but we all forgot about him. I think if it, like, here's what I know. Winning makes you forget everything. When the Cubs won the World Series, did, did I start Castro in my mind at all? No. And, and it was hard when he first left. I'm like, ah, oh, Castro, he came up with us as a 20-year-old, made a couple all-star teams. Seemed like a genuinely good dude, although there was times where he legitly wasn't watching the game he was playing in. <laughs> That's a problem. He looked like one of those kids out there, you know, drawing his name into the dirt. <laughs> Starlin. And, there's, and the ESPN cameras caught him not looking at the, at the play. Like the pitcher threw the ball, his back was to the fucking batter, you know. So, but hey, he had a fun walk-up song. I get it. I'm not trashing Addison Russell. I love him, and I, I still think he's got a high ceiling. I just like I'm sick of waiting on him. I want to see it this year. And when you have a free agent class, it's so rare. This is you're not going to see much of this in the future where players hit free agency at the age of 26. It's just not going to happen. It's rare. And these are the type of guys that Theo likes to spend money on because their best years are still ahead of them. Most most free agents, like Chris Bryant, will be 29 going on 30 when he's eligible for free agency. He might be 30 when he becomes a free agent. Seven-year deal, he came up at 23. Rookie of the year at 23. Yeah. So, I'm not so going to be 30 when he's a free agent. And I'm, I love Bryant. I hope he's a cub for life. But that most players will be 30, 31, 32 when they're free agents. And I agree. $400 million is a bad move. And you saw what Anaheim's paying for with Pujols. I mean, he's still productive, but you're not the $30 million a year you're giving him. No, for a negative two war, no, no. Was he a negative two war last year? I think a one eight. Yeah, that's not very good. I, I, two years before though, he had like a few, 2016. He had a decent year. I remember him with like 40 home runs or something. Last year, um, he was the worst player in baseball. Yeah, he was awful, awful. 
And, and yeah, and, and I get that. Sometimes you get these contracts that you're stuck with. When we had Soriano, we thought, oh, well, we can't send these players because we're paying this more on $18 million a year to be terrible. We're, the Cubs are so good they could overcome a bad contract. Some teams would cripple them. If the Minnesota Twins were to sign a guy for $25 million a year and he's a bust, yeah, that's going to cripple that organization. You have to understand the Cubs are in the third biggest market in the country, are the third most valuable franchise behind the Yankees and Red Sox. Why are, you the, why are you throwing the Twins under the bus? Like, the Twins weren't in the playoffs last year. I didn't mean it like that. I just meant, like, as far as the market goes and what that team could afford. I like the Minnesota Twins. I was a, I, I, there was some players. No, I was a big Kirby Puckett. Oh, my God. I almost said Kirby Puckett. I was a big Kirby Puckett fan growing up. He um, went to Triton College, which is a, a junior college right on the border of the city and the suburbs, like River Grove, Illinois, which is, like, a stone's throw away from the city of Chicago. And, um... And I love the way that guy played the game. And I was sad that he died uh, young. One of our favorite listeners went to Oak Park River Forest, <laughs> which is in my in while I'm in River there. Forest. Yeah, Dylan. I, ta- I saw Dylan on Friday. Um, him and his girlfriend Tara. They're both great people. I was talking oh, to them. Yeah, me and Dylan had some good conversation. I had some political strategies. I was giving his buddy because his buddy was running for Congress. His buddy's uh, name her, is her, Bernie her, Sanders. Yeah, he's running in Vermont. Unopposed, I believe. So I don't even know why I was giving him advice. Vermont. Yes. <laughs> All right, well, we're going to end the podcast. Um, uh, this was a fun one this week. Talked about our hatred for unwritten rules. Um, Javi being Javi. Oh, I did want to mention Chris Bryant took a fastball, 96. To, like the edge of the helmet. It was a scary moment because he did look woozy, but they gave him the concussion test. He looks good. They'll probably give him a day off or two. They're going to monitor him. Scary moment when the ball comes that hard, that high. He's got like a laceration, but it's from the sunglasses kind of coming up there. It was, it was a, it fired you up. The Cubs, both the Cubs hitting coaches got ejected because, you know, that's their star hitter. So they're, they're yelling stuff out the other team, which I like. I like that kind of fire. Um, I, we, I will believe that if Bryant got hit in the face, it would have been the first time that you would have seen a stands clearing brawl with all the women charging the mound. <laughs> <laughs> you saw my Instagram post? No. Even when he takes a, I put it, post on Instagram. Even when this guy takes a fastball, he still looks like a stuck. Because there's a picture of him with like the helmet half off his head, and you could tell like he looked like he just got took a punch, and he still looks like a dreamboat. You know, I he's, did not he's only, a handsome fella. Yeah. He, <laughs> I mean, he doesn't make me want to be gay or nothing, but like, I'd let him like, like look at it. Yeah, if he said, hey, can I take a look at your penis? I'm curious. I'd be like, sure, man. Go for it. <laughs> Why not? Chris Bryant. <laughs> Rookie of the year, MVP, World Series champions for two seasons. Why not? All right, man, we're getting silly here. But uh, so hopefully speedy recovery. And also, this is even more serious and, and really sad. Uh, Danny, God, I'm so bad with last names. Because if you don't hear the announcer say the last names and you're just a fan from reading box scores of certain guys, you're going to come off as an idiot. But Danny Farquhar, you know what I'm talking about? White Sox player had to get uh, ambulances that come rushing at a brain hemorrhage, an aneurysm, and he's in critical condition. It's it's very serious uh, with this White Sox uh, pitcher, and you know all the best to him and his family, and hopefully he pulls through because that is a scary thing right there. Man, that is scary. Anything you want to plug there, Brido? Wait, we're ending the show with. The saddest thing we could think of? Well, I didn't want to start the show with the saddest thing I could think of. <laughs> we do have a homework assignment. Our homework assignment is to find someone that people think of as an all-time great 
but advanced statistics brings them down a peg. Also, should we challenge ourselves to find an unwritten rule that we like? But we probably won't find one of those. Maybe you we will. Who knows? The listeners are going to hate my answer because I'm going to tell you that off the top of my head, Sandy Koufax. No way, dude. How are, how sabermetrics makes him worse? Are you kidding me? He had a high walk rate early in his career, but dude, those five seasons, his last five seasons were the best, like you could argue one of the best five year runs of any pitcher. His career stats are not good. I will, we know we're going to fight that out next week because I've read Kofax's biography and I think you're highly mistaken there. I think you're uh, a little too new you know school with else? these pitchers who only throw 150 innings a season and think that's like an accomplishment. Someone that was throwing 300 innings, pal. Someone else he just named Kirby Puckett. Well, look, by the way, here's another thing with both the guys like Kofax and Puckett, both guys who only played like 10, 12 seasons. That's what I'm saying. Uh, you know what, though? I'm not going to fault people for having injuries like that. I, I can't. I know longevity. You should, you should get points for having longevity like Nolan Ryan pitching until he was 180. Yes, that's impressive. You should get points there. But it's, it's hard for me to Marlin. knock Koufax down. Man. Well, well, we'll save that for next week. Next week, I will defend Puckett and Koufax to the best I can. Maybe I'll dig deep and be like, oh, shit, Friday's got some points. Or, and maybe I'll enlighten you. So that'll be our te- So we're not ending on a sad note. You wanna, that'll be our teaser for next week. I'll give you so many more. Mariano. Ruiz. Hold it for next week, dude. Come on, man. <laughs> you know how radio works? We're saving teasing <laughs> for next week. We want the listeners to be like, all right, we'll be back. All, all right. right. Um, I will be at uh, the House of Blues in Chicago. And I will also be at, where else will I be this week? I can't remember. House of Blues Chicago, JoeKillGown.com. You can check out my other podcast, Killgowns Pub. I will warn you, and Brad, you should listen to it too, because, you know, it's a drinking podcast. I drink with other people, and, and then we just talk about like silly stuff, and it, it's just bar conversation. But this last one, we got really heated and, and ended up being a really long podcast. Listen to it in chunks. We went on for almost three hours, and there was um, some strong yelling that went on. So if, you, if you're into that kind of drama, check out Killgowns Pub. It's my other podcast. I drop new episodes every Wednesday. And, um, Brido, you got a blog you want to tell them about? I am at brido.tumblr. I write about baseball on there if you want to read uh, my baseball thoughts. I'm on Instagram at Mike Bridenstine. Uh, check out the emoji paintings. I love them. Yeah, check out my emoji my emoji drawings. Uh, uh, Twitter's at Brido. Uh, yeah, I got an album you can buy on, on the things that you listen to this. And that's, man, that's the stuff I want to plug. If you want to see me in Los Angeles, you're probably a tourist. Yeah, there might be some L.A. listeners I think we got out there, hopefully. All right, well, that's been the podcast. That's been Comedians Talking Baseball. Thanks for listening. Be sure to review us on iTunes. Subscribe there. Tell your friends. You know, we uh, we really love this. and we, You know, we want to get more people in on the conversation. If you have any thoughts for us, you can email or hit us up on Twitter or Facebook message us. Whatever you got, comment, and uh, we'll hear you out. We'll have a good time with it. I'm Joe Kilgallen. That's Mike Bryanstein. Thanks for listening to Comedians Talking Baseball. Later, Brado. Later.